Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. It is a great blessing that we may be here a second time to join in worship at Triune God. Welcome to all who are present and to those who have joined us via the live stream this afternoon. May the preaching of the gospel message direct our hearts and minds in faith and trust to our Saviour Jesus Christ and cause us to live our lives to praise his holy name. Consist as the following announcements. Following this morning's election of office bearers, consistors appointed brothers R. DeFriss and C. Klein to the office of deacon, and brothers D. Pott, W. Spiker, K. Van Dyke, and R. Sandman to the office of elder. If no lawful objections are raised before the 14th of November, the ordination will take place, the Lord willing, on Sunday 27th of November in the morning worship service. The following baptised brothers and sisters have requested to publicly profess their faith and so receive admission to the Holy Supper. Janelda Bron, Jed DeVos, Melanie DeVos, Brooklyn Klein, Dylan Kramer, Stacey Oldenberger, Noah Plater, David Poppy, Nicholas Pott, Bianca Roth, Liam Scoof and Cameron Visser. Having considered their motives as well as their knowledge of scripture and confession, Consistory resolved with thankfulness to the Lord to grant this request. If no lawful objections are brought forth by the 31st of, of October, the profession of faith will take place, the Lord willing, on Sunday 6th of November in the morning service at Lumen Christi College. These students are requested to attend a brief meeting with the elders at 7.30 tomorrow in the consistory room. The consistory with deacons will meet at 8pm tomorrow, the Lord willing. The annual church visitation as appointed by classes is scheduled for Thursday the 27th of October, the Lord willing. And Brother Plater will lead the worship service this afternoon. Before we commence the worship service, let us sing together Psalm 57, verse 1 and 5. <laughs> Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. Let us rise to worship the Lord. In Psalm 124, we confess that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. And God greets you this afternoon. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
Let us continue and, and sing the praise of our God with the rest of the earth with Psalm 66, 1 and 2. First John 4 verse 14 through 15 it says and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God God abides in him and he in God let us now make the good confession with the churches of all ages and places and we'll sing that from him him too
Now call upon God in prayer. Dear God and Heavenly Father, we come before you this, this afternoon with gratitude in our hearts. Lord, we praise you that we are able to gather as church of Jesus Christ to worship you and to praise you. Lord, you are so good to us. Father, we are amazed at how you desire to be present among us. And Father, we thank you that this isn't something, something new. But you've always dwelled with your people. If we think all the way back to the Garden of Eden, you walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. You were present with them. And then even when men fell, you made a place for yourself where you dwelt in all your glory and holiness in the midst of your people. You established the tabernacle. You established the the temple, the holy place. You set up a sacrifice system so that sin could be atoned for, so that your people could gather before you. And Father, we thank you that even later when, you, when the temple was built, your, your glory filled that temple. And yet, when we think of history and we think of what happened with your people of old, the glory that filled that temple left the temple because of your people's sin. You destroyed the temple and your people were scattered. And yet this wasn't the end of your presence among them. Because Lord, in the fullness of time, you sent Jesus Christ the Word who became flesh and and tabernacled amongst us, who templed amongst us. And He did what no quantity of sacrifices could ever do. He saved us by His blood. And because of this, Father, the holy place didn't just need to be confined to a small tent or to a temple, but rather through the outpouring of Your Holy Spirit, Lord, You dwell amongst us. We are a new creation. We are the holy ground where You dwell. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. Father, we marvel at this. Truly, you're the Emmanuel, the God with us. So we thank you, Lord, that your spirit is is present amongst us this afternoon. And so we pray that as we come before your word, that you would guide us by your word and by your spirit. That in your light, we may see light. And in your truth, that we would find freedom. And in your will, we would discover peace. And so, Lord, we pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. So this afternoon, I'll be bringing God's Word to you as it's summarized in, in Lord's Day 32. In, this, in the catechism where we deal with works, where we ask the question, why must we yet do good works? And so in preparation for that, we'll read from uh, Paul's epistle to the Ephesians. We'll read a few verses from chapter 1 and then also chapter 2. So you will find that on on page 1156 of the Pew Bible. So Ephesians chapter 1, and then we'll read the verses 1 through 13. Or I should say 14. Hear the word of the Lord. Paul, an apostle of of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit 
It was the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And then we'll move to chapter 2 and we'll read the verses 1 through through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of, of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then we'll also turn to the Belgian Confession. We'll turn to Belgian Confession Article uh, 24, which you'll find on, on page 508 of the Book of Praise. So in this article, we speak about the sanctification and the good works of the Christian, and we'll read the whole, the whole article together. We believe that this true faith, worked in men by the hearing of God's word and by the operation of the Holy Spirit, regenerates him and makes him a new man. It makes him live a new life and frees him for the, from the slavery of sin. Therefore, it is not true that this justifying faith makes man indifferent to living a good and holy life. On the contrary, without it, no one would ever do anything out of, the love, out of love for God, but only out of self-love or, or fear of being condemned. It is therefore impossible for this holy faith to be inactive in man, for we do not speak of an empty faith, but of what Scripture calls faith working through love. This faith induces man to apply himself to those works which God has commanded in his word. These works, proceeding from the good root of faith, are good and acceptable in the sight of God, since they are all sanctified by his grace. Nevertheless, they do not count toward our justification. For through faith in Christ we are justified, even before we do any good works. Otherwise, they could not be good any more than the fruit of a tree can be good unless the tree itself is good. Therefore, we do good works, but not for merit. For what could we merit? We are indebted to God rather than he to us. For the good works we do, since it is he who works in us both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Let us keep in mind what is written. So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, what unworthy servants we have only done, what was our duty? Meanwhile, we do not deny that God rewards good works, but it is by his grace that he crowns his gifts. Furthermore, although we do good works, we do not base our salvation on them. We cannot do a single work that is not defiled by our flesh and does not deserve punishment. Even if we could show one good work, the remembrance of one sin is enough to make God reject it. We would then always be in doubt, tossed to and fro without any certainty, and our poor consciences would be constantly tormented if they did not rely on the merit of the death and passion of our Savior. So, so far from God's word and also the confessional reading, we'll, we'll now sing Psalm 56 verse 5, and we'll sing how God's salvation motivates us to walk before the Lord.
So as mentioned, we'll be reading from Lord's Day 32, and this is where we discuss the place of good works in the life of a Christian. So Lord's Day 32, we'll read both questions and answers. Since we have been delivered from our misery by grace alone through Christ, without any merit of our own, why must we yet do good works? Because Christ, having redeemed us by his blood, also renews us by his Holy Spirit to be his image, so that with our whole life we may show ourselves thankful to God for his benefits, and he may be praised by us. Further, that we ourselves may be assured of our faith by its fruits, and that by our godly walk of life we may win our neighbors for Christ. Can those be saved who do not turn to God from their ungrateful and impenitent walk of life? By no means. Scripture says that no unchaste person, idolater, adulterer, thief, greedy person, drunkard, slanderer, robber, or the like, shall inherit the kingdom of God. In response to the proclamation of the gospel, we'll sing from hymn 28, verses 1 through 4. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, sometimes you may have heard the phrase, I can't help it. It's a very common phrase, and we often say it to, to defend ourselves. We'll say, I just, I just couldn't hand, can't help it. That's why I did that. And we often use it to, to show how our actions were unavoidable, even if they were unintentional. We, we couldn't do anything but the very thing that we did. And really what we're saying is, I wasn't able to act differently. I couldn't help it. You know, think of a situation, my computer crashed, therefore I couldn't help doing my homework. I couldn't help it. You couldn't avoid that situation. And sometimes we can also say this in relation to to bad habits and also uh, certain sinful behaviors. A person doesn't desire to do a particular thing, but they can't stop themselves from doing it. You know, you, you might hear someone say, when I get stressed, I just, I just can't help it but, but chew my nails. Or say, for example, they might say, you know, when someone puts a, a bowl of sweets in front of me, I just, I can't help it. I just have to, have to grab something. I can't help it. Now, this may be somewhat of a surprise to you, but it's amazing that this is actually the relationship that the catechism describes that the, between the believer and good works. As people bought by the blood of Christ, Christ is renewing us so that we just can't help but do good works. We can't do otherwise. You see, often we, we use it in terms of sin. We'll say, you know, I sinned and I just couldn't help it. But what's amazing is the catechism flips that and says, no, Christ is working in you so much so that you won't be able not to do good works. It's a switch from the have-to of slavery to the have-to of a, I just want to, I, I love to. So the catechism here in, in Lord's Day 32, the reason that it gives for our good works and why we do good works is because Christ is renewing our lives so that we can't help but do good works. And therefore, I preach God's word to you under the following theme. Believers redeemed by Christ will do good works. And we'll see three things. Firstly, the cause of holy living, then the motivation for holy living, and then finally, the the necessity of holy living. Now, when you think about it, question and answer 86 is a good question. Why must we yet do good works? Because at this point in the catechism, there's many catechisms that have told us that good works are just off the table when it comes to our righteousness before God. You think of Lord's Day 2. We confess that when God summarizes the law and says, love me and love your neighbor, we confess in Lord's Day 2 that we're actually inclined to hate God and our neighbor. 
And if that's the summary of the law, then we, we confess that we are totally incapable of obeying that. Or think of Lord's Day 5, where we talk about the payment of sin. And there we confess again. We say that our works cannot be payment for our sins. And then it's made even more clear in Lord's Day 24, where they, the, the catechism asks that very question. It says, well, why can our good works not be our righteousness before God, or, or at least even just a part of it? To which the catechism says, they can't be a part of it, because even our best works in this life are all defiled with sin. And so the point is clear. Our good works cannot be our righteousness before God. We can't earn our salvation by good works. Rather, as, as the Lord's Day 23 states, our, our righteousness before God is because of Christ. Although I have not kept the law or any of God's commandments, we confess those beautiful words in Lord's Day 23, yet God, without any merit of my own, out of mere grace, he imputes to me, he credits to me, the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ. If only I accept this with a believing heart. So we are saved through, through faith, by God's grace. Not, not by works, as we read in Ephesians, in Ephesians 2, but by grace. And so our obedience is not the basis for our salvation, but rather it's Christ's obedience, which is the basis of our salvation. So it's very clear. Good works can't be our righteousness. So then, why do good works? Well, the answer that our catechism gives is, is very comforting. It says, because Christ, having redeemed us by his blood, also renews us by his Holy Spirit to be his image. Now, that's interesting because it says, why must we do good works? So you'd expect that the answer would say, because us, because me, because, because I. But rather it says, no, because Christ. Because Christ, having redeemed us, also renews us. The focus is on him. It's not because of me, it's because of him. Jesus is the cause of our good works. Jesus is the reason why you and me, when we are united to Christ by faith, he is the reason we will live holy lives. We will live thankful lives. And it's because of the work of Christ. Because Christ redeemed us, he, he bought us, he restores us in a relationship with him. But he doesn't just leave it at that. He restores us in a relationship with God so that we might be holy. He renews us to live holy lives. If Christ has made you right before God, you will live a holy life. And what we saw from Ephesians is that this is really God's purpose for our lives. He has saved us unto holiness. He has saved us unto good works. It's a theme that's repeated in, in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. In chapter 1, he tells us in, in verse 4, he says, Even as he chose us in him, that is in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. <clears throat> holy and blameless before him. And that's not talking about holiness at the end of time, when Christ comes back. No, it's talking about a holiness today. Christ has redeemed us unto holiness so that we would live holy lives now. And that comes back again in, in Ephesians 2, where it says there that we, uh, talking about works, it says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are chosen for holiness. And we, are, we were created for good works. And so it's central to the work of Christ in our lives that he is renewing us. He will renew us. It's not just a future reality. It's a, it's a present reality. And Paul highlights this again in, in his letter to, the, to Titus. He says, Christ gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deeds. And then he says, and purify us. And purify us for himself, his own special people, zealous for good works. He's going to make us holy. And he makes us holy so that we may walk in good works. And so this is what God is, is doing in our lives today. He has saved us 
And now he's renewing us. This is something that he's doing. And we read together in the Belgian Confession, we see that theme come up again there. So it's talking about how we are made holy and how what Christ is doing in our lives that we might be holy. And it says there in Article 24, it says that faith in Christ induces man to apply himself to those works which God has commanded in his word. It induces man. I love that word. Because it means to persuade. It means to cause. You know, in, in our house, there's been a lot of talk about pregnancy and a lot of talk about, about labor, which you may, may understand. And if you think about an induced labor, it's when the doctors, either by medication or, or physical prompting, cause the woman to deliver so that the woman can't help but deliver the baby. And so, in a similar way, the Holy Spirit renews us and works in us so that we are induced. We, we can't help but do good works. It's a beautiful word. A beautiful word that is showing what, what Christ is doing in our lives. And isn't that amazingly comforting for us, brothers and sisters? Because it's so easy in, in our walk with God to become discouraged. We become discouraged because... You know, we desire to live for God. We desire to, to grow in holiness. You think of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we desire to see that in our lives. And sometimes we can come very discouraged because we see sins. And, you know, it feels like we take two steps forward, but then we take four steps back. And we take two steps forward, and we, we keep going back and forth. Sin often seems to just be the, the status quo of our lives. It's just going to be a reality, and we just have to live with it, and... You know, you make a deal with the devil and that's how it goes. But the beautiful comfort of this Lord's Day is that Jesus, he's delivered you from sin and is renewing you for holiness so that you will live thankful lives before him. And that's not just eternity, that's today. It's the present. So the question is, do you believe that, brothers and sisters? Do you believe that this is God's purpose for your life? That he has delivered you, and he will renew you. He is renewing you, so that you will live thankful lives before him. You will grow in the gifts of the Spirit that you so earnestly desire. Or do you wonder, or do you wonder whether God has started something, but he's not going to complete something in you? He started something, but now he's, he's working the life of someone else, and I'm just going to, this is where I'm going to be for the rest of my life. Because the beauty of Lord's Day 32 is that no, he is renewing you. He is at work in your life. And you will live a holy life through the power of Christ. As Lord's Day 24 says, anything else is impossible for those who are grafted into Christ. You simply can't help it because Christ causes this in your life. So he is the cause. Christ is renewing us. So then the, the question is, well, what motivates us? For holy living. And the catechism gives us four motivations, you could say. Four reasons to walk thankful lives, or live in thankful lives, I should say. So it says there, so that with our whole lives, so that's the first one, so that with our whole lives we may show ourselves thankful to God for his benefits. And he may be praised by us. And third, then it says that we ourselves may be assured of our faith by its fruits. And fourth, that by our godly walk of life, we may win our neighbors for Christ. So there's four reasons, four motivations for holy living. You could rearrange it so it's appreciation, it's assurance, it's worship, and evangelism. You could say it's the awe, if you like an acronym, acronyms, I should say. So awe with a double A. And so in awe of God's grace... We are motivated to live in holiness and in thankfulness before him. So then what, is, what does awe look like in the life of a believer? Well, firstly, as the catechism highlights, it's, it's appreciation. It's, it's thankfulness. And if you think of thankfulness, it shows itself in very concrete ways. For example, if you're very grateful for, for what someone has done in your life, you know, you'll, you'll show this. You know, maybe the person has done something very caring for you and very generous. And so maybe you, you go and buy flowers and you bring it to them. Or maybe you buy a card and you, you write a note of appreciation. 
It shows itself in concrete ways. It demonstrates to the person when they see this, this, these flowers in front of them. It demonstrates to them that you're very grateful. That you're, you're very thankful for what, you, they've done, uh, that, what they've done for you. And the same is true for the Christian. It says there, so that by our whole life we may show ourselves thankful to God for his benefits. And so it's the realization what Christ has done. When you sit there and you think, whoa, this is all that God has done for me. That you're just impelled to, to live thankful lives to God. And, and Paul captures this beautifully in Romans 12 verse 1. He says, in view of the mercies of God, present yourselves as living sacrifices of thankfulness before him. Holy and pleasing to God. In view of the mercies of God. He's saying when you look and when you gaze at what God has done, it motivates you to live for him. In light of all what God has done for you, how do you respond? Well, it just overflows. It overflows in good works. And so, it's, so appreciation is one of the motivations for living a holy life. So that's the first A of the awe of Christian living. And then if we think of the second A, that's assurance. So it says further, the catechism says further, that we ourselves may be assured of our faith by its fruits. So this is a motivation, but it's also somewhat of a result of, of doing good works, of thankful living. So when you respond in faith to a diagnosis from the doctor, and you, when you respond in faith and become less fearful in the face of decaying health, the Catechism says you can be assured that that's Christ at work in you. That's a fruit that you can say, Christ is at work in my life. Or when you see yourself becoming more patient and, and less angry or gentle in your dealings with others. Or when you see yourself more and more saying no to pornography or saying no to, to that beer or that, that second wine. You can be assured that Christ is at work in you. That Christ hasn't passed over you in his grace. You can look at that and say, wow, that is a fruit. That Jesus is at work in my life. See, in the Catechism, it gives us a footnote, Matthew 7, verse 17. And in Matthew 7, verse 17, it says, So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a diseased tree bear good fruit. Now, often we hear that passage and, and we feel almost admonished by it. You know, you, you think to yourself, well, I haven't produced enough good fruit. I see bad fruit. So much, I must be a diseased tree. But what's amazing is the Catechism gives this as an, a text for the assurance of what Christ is doing in our lives. It's saying, okay, we are, are sinful human beings and we will wrestle with our old nature. We will battle against it. But if you see fruit of Christ in your life, well, that can only happen because of Him. And so you can be assured even though you may want it to be bigger and you may want there to be more fruit, you can be assured just by the fact that you see fruit that Jesus is at work in your life. And that will motivate you to continue to live a holy life. And so it's a testimony to encourage us. And then it brings us to the, the W of awe, which is worship. Ultimately, the purpose of living a holy life, living a thankful life, is to praise God for his glorious work of salvation in our lives. And if you think about it, brothers and sisters, how could we, how could we not respond like that? Christ has delivered you from sin. He has adopted you to be his child. He has promised that you are going to dwell with him in glory. He has made a relationship with you so that his love and his favor rests on you. And we, and we don't deserve that at all. Do you deserve to be his child? Do you deserve to, to live with him in glory? Do you deserve that his love and favor rests on you? Of course not. And yet, God extends that to us. And when we behold that, it fills our hearts with praise for what God has done for us. We want to worship Him. We want to praise Him. We want to please Him by living before Him in holiness, by doing good works that pleases Him. 
And what's beautiful is that God is pleased by our good works. It praises God when he sees his children walking before him in holy living. He loves it. It's, it's pleasing and it's acceptable before him. And the thing is, it's not because our good works are acceptable apart from Christ. The whole point is that it's Christ at work in our lives. And God loves seeing the work of Christ in your life. He loves that. When he sees his children following in the footsteps of his Savior, well, he loves that. He loves seeing his, his children walk in step with the Spirit of Christ in their lives. It's pleasing to him. And so when we live before him, it's an act of worship. When we live before him and walk in his ways, we are giving praise to our God. And this, this is closely connected with the, the E, you could say, of, of awe, which is evangelism. The Catechism says so that by our godly walk of life we may win our neighbors for Christ. So it's been, it's been said that mission exists because the worship of God doesn't. And the whole point is that when we live a holy life, when we live lives of good works, and we live according to the ways that God desires us, well, it adorns our lives. It adorns, I should say, it adorns the gospel. You see, if your neighbors or your workmates, maybe at uni or whatever, when they see you, say, confess Christ, but then see no impact on your life, well, that is a testimony against the gospel which you apparently confess. But if they see you and they see you confess Christ and then live for him in all those different ways, well, it means that that gospel is actually real to you. And it makes a real difference in your life. It means that you believe what you are saying. Because it impacts your life. And that connection between the talk and the walk. God may use that to bring them to Christ. And bring them into a relationship with him. And Peter, the apostle Peter picks up on this in, in 1 Peter 2 verse 12. He tells the church to keep their conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. That they may glorify God, seeing your good deeds, they will give glory to God. They will worship him. They will be won over for Christ. And later he tells a very similar thing to the, to the women in that letter. He says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won over without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Your works adorn the gospel. The way you live, it, testif it testifies to the truth of the gospel. And so, as Christians, we, we desire that all would join us in worship before God. We desire to worship and praise Him. And that motivates us to live in a way that others also may worship God as well. And so that's the, the awe of, of Christian living. It's appreciation. It's assurance. It's worship. It's evangelism. These are all motivations for why we are to live and do good works. But then, why is holy living necessary? And that brings us to our final point. What if I'm not bearing fruit? And what if I don't feel motivated to live in awe of God or in thankfulness before Him? Now, I must say that as I was writing this sermon, I struggled to answer that question. And it was tough to put together this last point. Because you know how it goes, brothers and sisters. You know, you read through question answer 87. And you read that no, by no means. Scripture says that no unchaste person, idolater, adulterer, thief, greedy person, and, and the rest will inherit the kingdom of God. And you see that. And you hear the call to holy living. And some of you hear that. And it weighs you down. Because you desire that in your life. You want that in your life. And yet you become disappointed because you don't always see that. And so it makes you start to think, well, you know, am I going to persevere to the end? Do I have enough fruit? You know, we could, if I just reflect with you, you know, my heart is not always filled with gratitude. I could be more humble and less proud. I could, 
I could be more gentle and less insistent. I could be more pure in my thoughts. I could be a better husband. And the list just keep going, can continue. And so, so often you hear the call to holiness. And you just think, I can do more. And so you start to wonder, and it can fill your heart with doubt. And then on the flip side, then there's some of us here who aren't even concerned with holy living, and this will fly right over their heads. You know, they're not living in a relationship with God. They're not living, they're called to the gospel. It doesn't bother them. Their sin doesn't bother them. And so they sit here, and it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. And so the difficulty is those who should be concerned about holiness and should be concerned about the fruit of thankfulness in their lives won't be. And those of you who desire it will. And it will weigh on you. And see, the thing is, for those of you who desire to live in a relationship with God, you need to be encouraged. Because that is what this Lord's Day is. It's an encouragement for you. It's an encouragement for you that Christ is renewing you and you will live those good works that you desire to live out. You will live and do those good works that God has prepared for you beforehand. And it's not because of you, but it's because of Christ as our Lord's Day starts off with. But then to the others, you need to heed the warning and you need to be concerned about holiness and you need to wonder about the fruit Or the lack of fruit. You need to heed what what the catechism says. It says, Can those be saved who do not turn to God from their ungrateful and impenitent walk of life? Or you could put it differently. If you are living an ungrateful and unrepentant life, will you be saved? And the catechism says, No. No, you won't. By no means. Paul says, do not be deceived, neither sexually immoral, adulterer or adulterers, idolater, adulterer, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So regardless of the sin, whether it's gossip, whether it's pride, whether it's covetousness, whether it's drunkenness, whether it's sexual immorality and sleeping around, if you are giving yourself over to it with reckless abandon and even joyful abandon, You will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so the question, brothers and sisters, for us is where are you at? Is there a lot of awe in your life? Are you the one who who desires holiness? Who desires to live a life of good works? Who desires to, to praise and worship God in how you live? To live in awe of God? Or are you not worried? You're not worried about holiness or thankfulness. And so who are you? Because brothers and sisters, you've been delivered by Jesus Christ, by his blood. You have been united to him by faith. That you might live in gratitude and in holiness before him. So God calls us to live a life of continual repentance. To live in awe of him. To trust him. To flee from sin because we can't do that anymore. We can't help but live good uh, lives characterized by good works. So you will, you will do good works, brothers and sisters. And why? It's not because of you. It's not because of your strength. But it's because of the beautiful power of Jesus Christ in our lives. He is renewing us. He is renewing us. It's so beautiful. It's not he may, he might. No, he is. That's right now. So brothers and sisters, flee from sin. Flee from sin. And walk in step with the Spirit of Christ. The Holy Spirit who is in you. And in awe of God, motivated by by his astounding grace. Walk with him. And live for him. Amen.
now call upon God in prayer. Almighty and, and faithful Father, we praise you for your word. What a word which, which comforts and encourages, but also one that cautions and warns. Lord, we thank you that you are renewing us, that you are changing us by your Holy Spirit, that you are molding us in true righteousness and holiness. Father, we thank you that you will work the fruits of thankfulness so that we would live in holiness before you as we so often desire. Father, you are not a God who begins a project and then leaves it unfinished to lie dormant or in ruins. Lord, you have bought us with your, the blood of Christ and you have made us right before us. And having done all of that, will you now leave us in our sin? Lord, no, you won't. For you have saved us unto holiness and you will work that in us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would fill us with the, the fruits of the Spirit, with love, with joy, with peace, with patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Lord, work in us the holiness which you have accomplished already for us in Christ. Lord, motivate us to live in awe of your holy name. And may we all abound, uh, and may our love abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that we may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless at the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Christ to your praise and glory. And Lord, we pray too that you would increase our ability to know you and then to enjoy your grace. Bless our, our Bible reading and, and prayer lives. Lord, we particularly think of the, the ward Bible studies that will be happening sh uh, shortly, whether today or, or in this week. Lord, we pray that you would bless that, that we would continue to enjoy greater communion with you and with each other. Father, work in our hearts spiritual renewal. Lord, may we yearn for you, yearn to know you and, and weep for our sins. May we be characterized by, by forgiveness and extending that forgiveness to others as generously as you have extended it to us. And Lord, may we flourish in our fellowship with you. Lord, we also pray that you would flourish your church. We pray that you would be with the churches in our federation and in our classes. And Lord, we especially think of those churches that are vacant right now. May you give them under shepherds and pastors to lead the flock of Christ in due time. Lord, we think particularly of the brothers who are preparing for their classes exam. We think of Rodney Dembor and also Anson Mendeldon. We pray that you would be with them as they uh, prepare to do their exams shortly. Father, may you give them wisdom, insight, and understanding as they prepare. Grant that this may not just be an exercise that's done with, with the head, but rather one with the heart. That you would kindle their hearts, that their love for you and conviction of the gospel may grow. And Father, we also pray that you would bless the churches that we have relationships with. We think of the Canadian Reformed churches. We think of our brothers and sisters in, in New Zealand and also in South Africa. Father, we thank you for the bond of churches that we have. We thank you for the blessing that it is for, for our communities. Lord, there's a lot of um, South Africans who worship amongst us and also Canadians in well, as well. And Lord, we thank you for the blessing that we are to, to them and they are to us. We thank you that we can worship together. And Father, we pray that you would continue to grow the unity of faith and the bond of peace. Lord, we ask too that you would receive our offerings for the wings, uh, wings to, uh, under his wings, I should say. Lord, may you bless other uh, Christian organizations like this. Father, we pray that, that this would be another extension of your grace to, to the world around us. Lord, receive not only our offerings, but also our praise. May you forgive that which was sinful in our worship. And Lord, may you bless what was good. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You now have an opportunity to give of your gifts. And as was mentioned, the, the work is for the uh, ministry under his wings. And then thereafter, we'll sing from hymn 28, and the verses 5 through 7.
receive the blessing of God and go in peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.